0: Hello, and welcome to Local Legends. I'm Chi, Outdoor Fitness Coach, and I am your host. Local Legends is a conversation with passionate cyclists who impact riding in Southern California and specifically San Diego. Here comes my next Local Legend. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 4 with Pete Thole. This interview may seem out of order because it was originally recorded on December 1st, 2021, when I was doing Local Legends on Instagram. For those new to Local Legends and this podcast, I originally interviewed my guest in person and on Instagram Live, not knowing what would come of these interviews. And after my sixth interview, I decided to change the platform to podcast to make it more easily accessible. It also seemed fitting to re-release this episode after my most recent interview with Chris Horner, where Pete is mentioned a few times. It's because of this interview with Pete that I learned about Pete's road racing history and about Chris. A little bit about Pete. Pete was my fourth guest and my first racer on Local Legends, and I did this very deliberately. As I mentioned, I didn't know about his road racing experience, but I did know he constantly performed at the top of the mountain bike races, competed in Cat 1, as well as gravel races. I've known Pete since 2016 when we raced on Tasco mountain bike race team. This was a very unique race team that was curated by Milwaukee, Mark, and Nate after a virtual Strava race called Tour de Dirt brought racers out of their holes competing on segments and later created a home for a band of misfits. Anyway, Pete was was and still is an exceptionally strong rider and racer. For me, I always leaned into what he had to say because he shares a lot of wisdom as a racer. With no nonsense, no ego, and no bullshit. Enjoy this episode with Pete Thal. We kick off the interview with the, his Dirty 30 results, a quick and dirty mountain bike race held annually around Thanksgiving. Here we are. Welcome, everybody. Um, I am Chi with Outdoor Fitness Coach, and I am here with Pete Thal. Um, this is our episode number four of Local Legends. And um, so we are going to get started, and congratulations, um, Pete, on your race. This last weekend oh thank you yeah and so I just want to start with the the race how did they go
1: um it went well um it was a hard hard course uh five six mile laps at Verona and it's a really challenging course um not many places to rest so yeah. technical uh technical rock drops and a fair amount of climbing I think about 4,300 feet for 30 miles. Wow. Um, it's tough, by the time you get to start the fifth lap, you're pretty much ready for it to be <laughs> to be done, yeah.
0: So just to kind of preface, <laughs> I guess I didn't say this, he did a last 30 um, last weekend, which is a mountain bike race for those who are not mountain bikers. It's a local race that is held with uh, Quick and Dirty um, team and Victor. And you did pretty well overall.
1: Yeah, I think I worked my way up to third overall, and um, was first in the fifty plus. Yeah,
0: so congratulations.
1: Thank
0: you. Yeah. Um, so this is a good kickstart to how you got into racing. And for for those who don't know, Pete Thal, um, he is a avid racer, cyclist in all things road, gravel, and mountain bike. And if you follow any racing locally, he's usually at the front of the pack or on the podium. Um, and I know you're very humble, so you won't say that. So for uh, for those who've raced against Pete, they're probably um, wondering like, how the hell did he get this fast? And how is he this fast at this um, young age of 59? 59. So let's just go back a little bit. I think uh, he's got a rich history of experience and stories. So how did, going back to my question, how did you get into racing?
1: Um, So back, I'd say in about 1988, um, a good friend of mine, Eric Baker, got me into road biking. And that was right at the very beginning of the Swami's Club. And um, I started riding with those guys and, and racing. And I went from a Cat Four to a Cat Two, in that first in the nineteen eighty nine season, which was the very first season for Swamis. Yeah, Um, and then the next year I moved up and started doing all the one two pro races, and that was that was a big eye opener because then it was like, wow, this these guys are fast. So
0: in four years you went from beginning to ride to a Cat One Two.
1: Yeah, and well, in one season. So in the first year that I started racing, so I started, I rode for about uh, probably nine months and then started to race. And then that season I went from a cat four to a cat two. Oh, geez. So I started the, the 1990 season as a cat two. And then back then all of the races were pretty much cat one, two and pro and you kind of just get thrown into the fire right off the bat.
0: Yeah, that's impressive. So you're racing for the Swamis team.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what do you contribute to you going up the ranks that fast? I
1: don't know. First thing was in the uh, criteriums was how to figure out how to hold your position. Because so back in those days, there wasn't a cat five. You started as a cat four. And Pretty much every race you would do, the fields were full. They in fact they would have a younger cat four and an older cat four. And they would have 150 guys in each field. <clears throat> and so even if you were fairly fit and pretty strong, if you sat on the front for, you know, 10 or 15 laps, then it comes down to the field sprint, you're toast, you get roasted. So you have to figure out how to hold your position and and, and save matches you know which is a roady thing yeah it's not like mountain biking you can I mean in the road you can not be as fit but be smarter about saving matches and then being an, an opportunist um uh, I'd say cross-country mountain biking your fitness gets exposed right off the bat yeah you know um very little drafting it's just carry momentum and and you know be able to turn the pedals over
0: so when you were doing all the racing in the beginning getting yourself faster and getting yourself smarter how did you learn pick up these these tricks like was it from people were there any people that influenced you on how to race um, better
1: yeah i'd say basically trial and error and you go wow <laughs> i just spent all this energy and i i'm like Pretty strong on the local training rides and yeah. the group rides. Then I come into the race and I'm getting like, you know, 15th or 20th or 25th. And then you kind of figure it out. It's like, okay, I got to figure out how to sit in and hide, mm-hmm. but still hold your position. You know, in 150 guys, it's not easy, and you have to get comfortable being close mm-hmm. and a little bumping and and you know, cat fours and stuff aren't the best bike handlers because everybody's just learning. Uh, but you figure it out. <laughs> you know, you do, you have to.
0: So, what do you think is your strength as in, in I guess I'm getting a little ahead of myself, and overall races that you do um, now mm. or in the past?
1: Oh boy. Um, strengths, I'd say just, uh, I think I could climb like maybe just good enough to kind of stay close and then I can. Get back on if I do get dropped, and then I think I have enough enough decent power on the flat ground, and then and mountain biking and like BWR, I'm pretty comfortable in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, you can carry momentum. If you can carry momentum, <laughs> it saves you so much effort. You yeah, know, that's the biggest thing is be able to carry momentum through technical sections on the dirt. Yeah, on the dirt.
0: Um, is that something? i think that's a real like important thing to note yeah. uh, i call it flow you call it carry momentum
1: yeah same thing
0: so is that something that also that you've learned along the way or as you've learned as like your one of the tips in your in your toolbox that you see other racers like oh man they, if only they knew how to like work that speed better
1: yeah i think it helps if you've had um a motocross background mm. oh. because you really have to be able to like identify the obstacle or see the rut and then look where you want to go. Don't look where you don't want to go. And yeah. once you can figure that out and you can, you know, go into the turn faster and then get out of the turn faster. Um, like, for instance, like on the uh, last weekend at the Quick and Dirty on that course, there are so many places. That, that term slow down and go faster. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of off cambers and little decreasing radius corners. So you need to have like a braking zone. So scrub your speed and then carry your speed out as opposed to going in really hot. Yep. And then you get in and you got to grab a bunch of brakes and then all of a sudden you have to stand up and crank to get going again. It's, it's you, save, you save a lot more energy Breaking early and then carrying speed out. Yeah. There's a lot of corners like that on wow. that course.
0: Yeah, that is um, really good information. and A really good yeah, it tool. Makes,
1: it makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, a great skill to, to practice as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. So you said climbing and then you have power on the flats. What else do you contribute to all your success in getting to uh, the top?
1: Yeah, I think just staying consistent with your training especially as you get old older. Um you know you i mean that there's like a lot of guys are like saying like oh it's off season take it easy and it's kind of like there really isn't an off season you can still I think you can still ride hard yeah like a couple days a week. Yep. Um I think one thing I have kind of figured out as I've gotten older is you really when you're on your hard days you have to make sure you go hard mm-hmm. and on your easy days and your off days you go so slow and easy it's almost ridiculous like you feel like you shouldn't be going this slow but you should be yeah because i think that's the biggest mistake that, that i made in the past when i was racing um, a long time ago
0: that's was, that is so important that but it the, was the always thing like,
1: especially easy. back then it was like oh you gotta ride you know 300 350 350 miles a week because you're doing stage racing and stuff but you end up being like just you're always tired and you're all you're good at riding like medium pace Mm -hmm. and um you get caught up in it Mm -hmm. plus it's fun there's so many group rides and you don't want to miss out on anything and it's like you just want to be be able to do it all and then you end up digging a big hole and you're tired (laughs)
0: you know yeah well i one thing i wanted there's like three <clears throat> things i want to ask at the same time so i can't no, no, uh, <laughs> no. what other um group rides do you think are like around san diego that have helped you um with your riding or with pacing
1: um yeah currently um mm-hmm. Mountain bike ride, the Wednesday night ride with Ken Winston was always a good ride, super steady, fast, good pace. Um, a few years back, we used to do the um, the one around here, San Leo Hills, the yeah. uh, Humpty Hammerfest. Um, there's still a couple guys doing that. That was when I first got back into riding, and those guys used to just beat me up <laughs> every Wednesday night, and then it's like little by little. It starts coming back, and then yeah. you're hanging with them, and then and then inflicting some damage on those guys too, and so that's part of the fun of it. Yeah, with your buddies. But yeah, the WNR is a really good group mountain bike ride. That's probably probably the longest running mountain bike ride.
0: Yeah,
1: right that I could think of. um But as far as road, pretty much now it's the Thug ride. It was the Swami's ride. Um, I think the thug rides kind of taken that over.
0: How many honest. people show up to these thug rides?
1: It depends. Um, I think it depends because Doug puts the, um, puts the route out on Fridays. And my theory is the flatter the route, the and more, more people, people show up. Yeah. The more climbing and the harder it is, the less people show up. Um, that's what it seems to be.
0: Um, Another thing that I wanted to go back to was we didn't really talk too much about the training, about your, you know, you used to put in crazy hours and crazy miles, but one thing that, and maybe this might give away for your competitors, you had a lot to say about how you finish a race and how you are able to go as far as you do.
1: Oh yeah. You just got to get in that mindset of, you know you're kind of i try to do is think that you're kind of fortunate to be in this position as opposed to thinking that oh man this just really hurts why am i doing this just try to turn the tables and just think how fortunate you are to be able to do this (laughs) and appreciate it um and just think of people who really have it bad like say like uh someone who has cancer and they're really suffering. And, you know, as uh, Brian Scarborough's famous quote, that's nothing for you, right? As he passes you and you're, and you're suffering like a dog, it's pretty annoying, but it's, it's actually kind of funny now. Um, but yeah, you just gotta get in that mindset of, of uh, just like, I can, I can punish myself just for a little bit longer. Yeah, you know, it's gonna hang out a little longer, you know.
0: And you know, some people like have a mantra. I mean, obviously Brian has a mantra, but do you ever have a mantra when you're, or do you just go, "Hey, I'm better off than most people, and I can do this."
1: Um, no, I don't think I do. I just know that on the negative side of it, when I when I have cracked and turned the switch off, it's typically been when i might have had a bad day at work or a bad Mm -hmm. week and Mm -hmm. say if you got really mentally stressed about you know if you're mentally stressed like financially or anything else as soon as it gets hard on the bike it's like that little switch just goes i'm not doing this (laughs) and it just like you've ever had those days, oh yeah right (laughs) yeah it's like what is that so that's where i think you have to get inside your head and just don't think, keep it positive and just Mm -hmm. say, I'm lucky to be here, you know, and kind of enjoy the the pain, kind of put it out of your head if you can. But as soon as you start to think negative or start thinking about your other, you know, maybe uh, mental stresses, it's just like, can't do anything.
0: Yeah, that's lots of words of wisdom coming from you, Pete. I want to go back to VWR. Um, um, mm. This was a uh, you, you won the wafer this year, which is the 70 mile version. And um, anyone who's done the wafer, or the waffle, know it's it's no joke to to get on the start line and um, no being, joke.
1: It was beginner's luck, It's my first one. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: I think in some ways, well, they're both, they're, I don't wanna say they're both uh, torturous, but they're both can be hard because a lot of people who do the wafer do it like as a sprint. And so you won this year and I was looking at the the results and you came in like a full seven minutes faster than the people after you. Um, and you didn't win with your age group, you won the whole f- thing. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a kind of a neat way to like, not so much finish this, but like, how did you approach that race? And did you use a lot of your roads tactics, road racing tactics, and then your mountain biking skills? And how did you like, and all these people that were behind you, there were some kids on the podium, right? Is there a young kid in there? So- Define young. 20,
1: 15? No, he wasn't. I, I don't know. He might've been like 30 or something like that.
0: So how did, how did that race come out for you That's said?
1: Well, I'd say that just to begin with, um, I was very rested and tapered really good. Okay. So I was fresh. Um, and it just started off kind of um, just really aggressive. Um, so I think that was, that was you know, guys were just kind of like oh it's way too early to go that hard right and um, i kind of got caught so it was to recap it we started off and right about before we got on a del dios highway i saw mikey malloy was up the road mm-hmm. so i'm like okay i see that and i was kind of antsy and i felt good so i bridged up to mikey as soon as we got on del dios highway and maybe 30 seconds later, a triathlete that I ride with sometimes at Fiesta Island, um, Swiss Tim, we call him, he bridged up and then pretty soon it was just me and Tim and we were catching the back end of the waffle guys mm-hmm. and we did the turnaround and then by the time I got to um, the dirt section, what do they call that again?
0: Lemon twist, Lemon
1: Twist. I was by myself and it was kind of like okay, what do I, <laughs> should I just, and I just made a decision just to just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Just kept a steady pace. Um, you know, got a lot of people in between myself and the rest of the field. Yeah.
0: Because
1: I know Carl Bordein told me that he, they could see me while they are on Del Dios. And they're like, ah, it's right there. It's, you know, they could see me. So I wasn't that far ahead. Yeah. Um, but I think if you get the traffic, between you and then you hit the dirt with some people between but yeah, I think that helps a lot um and I just kept plugging along I mean there was a point when I was coming back like when you're going into the headwind coming back through elfin before you get mm-hmm. to
0: the last climb
1: to climb up um,
0: Haven
1: quest Haven the dirt I'm like I felt like I was going so slow it's like <laughs> they're gonna catch me and they're gotta catch me You know, you just start fighting those voices of, you know, I mean, it's like, it was hard to do, like, 250 watts was like hard to do at that point, you know, going into the head, I mean, you're tired. I've been by myself the whole time. And I just kept plugging along and um, had Big Mike, Big Mike Shaw, kind of helped kind of pace me up double peak. And, but then once you get to the top of that, you got like a you got a second win. Yeah, and it's like okay, I can, I can do this. Yeah, then you start to feel good.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So
1: yeah, it just worked out. I had good legs, and I just went for it. And you know, I guess what's the worst that can happen? They catch you, and, and
0: then you fight for the finish.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you don't try, you'll never know. That's so, awesome. That yeah, worked out. So I was pretty lucky, and I had a good at a road bike. Uh, with uh, I did. 32 tubeless road tires. Okay. So I think that's the key is oh. having the right stuff for you. Yeah, if you're comfortable in the dirt, yeah. I did crash in the dirt at one point, and, but whatever, I, I I got up and finished still. But um, I still think it's a little bit better to risk the road tire in the dirt to have the the, the speed on the road. I think it's a better setup. Wow. So. just
0: caution to the wind you are an excellent on the dirt so you can handle that oh,
1: thank you i've
0: seen people do that and not know how to maneuver well, the dirt. like i
1: said i did hit the ground once and <laughs> when you lose your front end with road tires it happens fast it's yeah. like you're not getting your hand out or anything you're just shoulder and head right on the ground oh, so shit. anyways
0: um okay one more deep question and okay. then <laughs> you got this <laughs> um, what would you say to an aspiring racer as a tip if they wanted
1: listen to your coach <laughs> <Come on. laughs> um, i would say your hard days need to mm-hmm. be hard you need to be all in mm-hmm. on your interval days or whatever day you pick to be hard, if you do intervals on a group ride or if you have mm-hmm. a coach. Um, and then your easy days need to be easy. Yeah. I, think, I think a lot of people make that mistake where we're never fully rested so you don't get everything you can get out of your hardest days. Yeah. You, know, you end up riding around medium. If like, yeah. you're really good at riding medium, mm-hmm. it's just hard to go that extra. Mm-hmm. and that little extra doesn't have to be for very long it just mm-hmm. has to be long enough mm-hmm. right yeah. um, so that would be i think my tip for for guys coming up and there's so many good young high school kids coming up
0: anybody in particular that you're i've been impressed with
1: um yeah a couple guys um luke Pancrats. he's one that um i think he's got a lot of potential um, Zach Martinez he's he just he won he beat Victor Sheldon at the uh, the e-bike race on Sunday out of Verona Oaks
0: oh mm-hmm. straight up I don't know what that would look like
1: mm-hmm. Slasher got beat by a 13 year old. That's, that's right that was great
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he enjoyed that too yeah,
1: I'm sure he loved it he's probably loving this if he's watching yeah
0: he's like uh okay so to wrap it up what's your favorite place or favorite trail in san diego
1: mm, that, the one that i can talk about
0: um, oh that's yeah well i guess so i don't know yeah okay so the one that you can't talk about we like that one and then
1: yeah um yeah secret trails that we're not supposed to talk about um hmm God, actually i'd say one of my favorite trails um is up in elfin the mm. uh the loop that goes up to the reservoir
0: the equine from, loop
1: from the way up trail yeah the equine incline go that way the hard way and then the east of dam loop the one that goes around the uh the backside of the reservoir
0: i think i i think i know the first one i don't think i know the second one
1: oh uh, it's, it's oh yes dam. i do you go it's kind of a little lollipop and then you come back the same trail
0: and what do you like about that
1: uh, it's just challenging yeah. it's hard and then um I haven't done it for a while. We used to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. We used to hit that like all the time. And the equine incline was really good. That's really a hard, mm-hmm. hard one. I think Ryan Dahl has a KLM still. Awesome. Yeah, he's a badass.
0: So how many KLMs do you have?
1: I don't know, like two. <laughs> I have two two million.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, those pop up.
1: I'm like, yes, I got one.
0: Well, this is great. Um, Again, I think you are an amazing rider. It's been fun. We we used to race together on on the Tasco team back in the day. We used to call us the the Misfits, and our good friend, Kevin, was with us. Mm -hmm.
1: Kevin Lentz, yeah. We miss him greatly. Um, That guy was a strong, strong man on the bike very very strong um and a good bike handler um he had the whole package
0: you mm-hmm.
1: could definitely put some watts out um that was that was really really tragic when that happened um yeah. and we lost kevin that sucks um but uh yeah those were good times tasco was fun yeah um, I miss those guys nate and everybody yeah i still have i'm wearing tasco socks right now <laughs> um good stuff
0: yeah so anyway well thank you everybody for joining it was a lot of fun it was really nice to talk to you um pete thank you for for being here in my home anyway thank you all so much okay bye-bye welcome back pete is such a cool guy in case you are wondering she i didn't hear anything about chris horner well It was after we stopped recording that I got more fun stories of his racing, and that is where I learned about Chris and some of his other racing friends. Could you imagine showing up to a group ride with a world-class racer? This is a riding caliber that these riders are used to, which explains a lot. This interview in the Local Legends Project shows me a couple of common themes, that we live and ride in a really cool city, and that each person is a thread in this grand web of collective riding spirit. Have a great day, guys, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Local Legends Podcast. If you are enjoying these episodes and find yourself looking forward to my next guest, please consider supporting my efforts through Patreon. It helps with the time to prepare and coordinate the interview and to put together like a little package ready for you to unwrap and savor. I spend extra time so you have a seamless experience and enjoy a good conversation. Go to patreon.com forward slash outdoor fitness coach.
1: Thank you.